The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. Samika Slepfotic. Matip arrives off the line. Was it over the line? Goal. He checks the watch. The goal is given. Liverpool 2 1 up with 90 seconds to go. Joel Matip. Well, it looks like a certain winner. So Jürgen said they were going to reinvent themselves after that Napoli nightmare. It wasn't needed. He got the reaction required as the players rose to the Ajax challenge. Thiago ran the game, Simicash shone and the Reds turned to Joel Matip to put Anfield on a high. It was something like the Liverpool performances we've been used to. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can check out all the articles on the site Everything's there at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And it's a special price, a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersault. With me on today's Red Agenda, Simon Hughes and the Mirror Sports writer, David Anderson. And uh, we go straight to the Ajax game. And Jürgen brought four players into the side. They vindicated his decision. I think most of all, it was the performance that got us a little bit more encouraged side because... If they'd come out and won scruffily, I think we'd be having the same debate. But this was something more like the Liverpool we're used to. I'd say it was closer. It was closer. It wasn't a complete performance. Couldn't be much worse than, than Napoli the week before. So I, I think anything would have been an improvement, to be honest. But obviously, it was a win that was secured late. So when that happens, it tends to get framed as a hard-fought victory. Which to some extent, well, it, it obviously was. But I felt that Liverpool did turn the screw on Ajax in the second half. And they kept going. That was that was the key, really. They kept going. They didn't lose heart. There was more. I saw a bit more spirit in the team. Team's performance, I thought, on on Tuesday night. It was a, it was a good European fixture. You know, I mean, Ajax played as you'd expect to. They they were very good in the first half. I thought posed a threat and attack. Despite some mistakes for the Ajax goal, I thought it was a well worked goal with a fantastic finish. And then they tried to sort of Europeanise the performance, I think, the second half and tried to contain Liverpool. But Liverpool kept going, kept going. As you said, Thiago, I thought was excellent. One or two other standout performances. You know, I think the victory was born out of repetition, really. The sort of things that Liverpool have done in the past, you know, sort of working the ball out wide and letting the the, the, the the forwards get a bit closer to the goal, which we haven't seen, when I say the forwards, I mean the, the, the wide forward players. We haven't seen quite as much of that this season. You know, I think the managers tried to change things a little bit. That's how it seemed to me anyway in, in the game. It just felt like Salah was a bit closer to the goal most of the time. Uh, Diaz, I thought that had a really good game as well. I really like Diaz in that sense because he... There's never a lost cause with him, is there? I think there was a couple of occasions where maybe the, the crowd was getting a little bit frustrated with what was going on. But Diaz would do something, you know, try and retrieve a ball that looked like it was going out and everybody would get up again. And I think certainly he's been a plus point at the start of the season. So it's just frustrating now, I suppose, that Liverpool don't have a game at the weekend to attack. That being said, I mean, just from a sporting perspective, an away game at Stamford Bridge at this stage with the way they performed in the league probably... You know, the game being called off might not be the worst thing in the world. But, um, yeah, step in the right direction. But there's still, you know, still a lot of improvements. It should give the players confidence. But, of course, they're going away on international break now. So, you know, a different mindset when they come back. I don't... I, I'd be interested to know whether they can just park one thought and keep it for two or three weeks and not be affected by what happens in the meantime. So, to that to that degree, it's, it's, it's a bit frustrating that they put in a good performance and then suddenly they're going to all be separate. 
Well, it was obviously the last opportunity to make a statement, raise positivity within the group before the break. Nothing's ideal about this season, David. Obviously, there's a couple of more fixtures now to, to throw in further down the line. How do you view the break coming so quickly at this point? Yeah, I, I think you, you could see when Jurgen spoke on Tuesday night that it was it's, it's sort of disappointment that, yes, we've had this when now I'm going to lose the players now for over two weeks. And you can see his real frustration that, you know, he would have obviously have loved to go on and played the Chelsea game on Sunday. And I think I would agree with him because Chelsea in a state of flux, Graham Potter's committee's just had his first game there. Yes, he will make them better organised, probably make them better defensively, transfer them out and attack. And so therefore, I think now would be a good time to sort of try and play them when everything's still up in there a little bit. They don't really know what their the best team is, what their best formation is. Potter's still getting to sort of know them. So, on the back of the Ajax game, I think there was an opportunity for Liverpool to go to Stamford Bridge and win and get the three points, which obviously would have been massive in terms of their, their disappointing league campaign so far. But that's the way they go, really. There, there's no game. You have to just suck it up, get on with it. You know, you're going to be, they'll all go off in international. Or you're going to be sort of desperately hoping nobody gets injured. Uh, Jordan Henderson hopefully will complete his recovery during the break. And then when they come back against Brighton on Saturday, October the 1st, that they can finally pick it up because we know then that's it then through till was it November 12th or something and, and, and the breakup for the World Cup. So it is held for leather. So there will be opportunities for Liverpool to finally get that consistent run of performances and results, which is so far alluded in this season. Yeah, a few names that Liverpool would be happy to have back. Henderson, one of them. Canate is another. Naby as well. So that this break might help that. But of course, as David just mentioned, you get to the middle of November, it all stops again. I wonder how we will reflect come the very end of this season on this campaign, Simon. Whether we'll just look at it as as an odd one. Seem pretty confident on Naby Keita getting back there, Steve. <laughs> maybe not, I'm yeah. Sure. Who knows? This has never happened before, has it? In terms of the, the schedule and the World Cup, the flow of games. I just think, possibly unpopular to say, but I, I, I just think that Given everything that happened last season, given the way it finished, given the number of games they played, given the pre-season campaign that they've had, which far from ideal in terms of just getting the players on the track or getting the players on the on the actual grass, given the, the schedule that's happening now and given the age profile of the players, it shouldn't really be too much of a surprise that, that they're having the problems that they're having. I think it could be one of those seasons where just make sure they get into the Champions League and put themselves in a position where they can, re, you know, sort of continue the process of rebuilding next season. Obviously, expectations are so high at Liverpool, and quite rightly, they should be. But there does come a time when, when they have to reassess and, and try and lead a, an evolution of the team rather than it being a revolution. This season, it seemed like, the, you know, the three or four players might need to replace at the same time. Hopefully, in the full, fullness of time, when the injuries settle down, that'll prove not to be needed. But um, I hate that, that that sort of phrase, transition, because it makes it sound like, well, you've just got to put it to one side. But I, I sort of feel that this season, Liverpool just got to make sure they get through it still as a Champions League club. That That, that is the, the first aim. Now, people might not like that, but given the start of the season that you've had, there's still only six points off the top, by the way. It's not like, you know, insurmountable. They, they, they managed to recover that last season. But having a World Cup with, you know, lots of players involved in the middle of it, I don't think it's going to help Liverpool as well. So, you know, you're starting again in, in, in December. January is notoriously a tough month for Liverpool. It's not like the players have been at the World Cup and not mentally and physically challenged by that, even if whether they're playing or not. So, yeah, just a, just a tricky season. I'd sooner 
a World Cup wasn't placed slap bang in the middle of the season, to tell you the truth. It's not what I sort of would want to see. But yeah, it's 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 just a really tough season for Liverpool, given given the way they play, given the age profile of the players, given everything that happened last season. It's one that I don't have the highest expectations for, but you'd still expect them to to get into the Champions League with what they've got. You'd still expect the manager to be able to navigate his way through that, given his experience and, and given the players' experience, and get to a point which sets them up for you know the, the next season, the season after. Liverpool have had problems in midfield this season. That's been well documented. We've seen it, David. We saw Thiago start against Ajax and he, he was incredible, wasn't he? Mesmerising at times. This is a bit of a big statement, but how much does Liverpool's season rest on actually him staying fit, something that he's actually never really done? Well, Steve, you just said it there, something he's never really done. And I think that is the the, the two sides of the coin for, for Thiago. Yes, he's a brilliant passer of the ball. Yes, you're right, he's the man who makes Liverpool's midfield tick. Yes, he's a man who plays with wonderful balls to create openings, but he's also the guy who gets injured maybe twice a season and you know, one of them might be at least two, three months or something like that. You know, we saw when he first came that time he got injured in the Derby and he was out for was it sort of two or three months then and, and he's usually got crocked in the first game against Fulham and he's only just sort of come back. And unfortunately that's almost the the price you pay with Thiago is that yes, when he's great and yet when you have me it'll be brilliant for you, but you also have to accept the fact he's gonna get injured uh, and you're gonna miss him for certain chunks of, of the season. Then you're gonna have to go up with a plan B, you know, what you're gonna do without him really. So and I think I say that that's just the way it is. But again, the midfield's a very good debating point because you just come back to this point that you look at, you know, Sai talked about the age profile and, you know, where Thiago, yeah, he's great. You're wrong side of 30. He gets injured and, you know, Anderson's been injured again and what's he now, 32. And, okay, Fabino's still okay. He's still sort of as his peak, really. But, you know, and then you're trying to bring through that younger generation, like a Harvey Ellis, like a Carvalho, but they're just still, still very, very young and they can't take that sort of load you know, if you want to try and win the Premier Leagues and Champions League. So there's that big gap in, the, in Liverpool's midfield in terms of the, the young players who can be the future and then, and then the older guys who, who who were the past and maybe can still be the present a little bit. So it's just that sort of in between 24, 25 age that they're sort of sort of lacking really. And it is it is a bit of an issue, but if you flip it and try and be positive, you know, when Thiago's fit, you're right, he is a real, you know, bonus. We saw that on, uh, on Tuesday night, you know, with his pass and nobody can pick a ball like he can. So if you have him, if you get, you know, Jordan Anderson back, you know, Fabino's there, if, if, if Ella continues to develop Carvalho as well, hey, there's, there's grounds for optimism there. But again, it comes back to that thing about, you know, keeping people fit. And Liverpool just seem to have this constant battle with, 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 with injuries, really, where, you know, there's always at least one or two of your, your main men who seem to be either not there or just coming back or, or whatever, really. And it just seems to affect, affect the flow of the team, really. Yeah, it's just brilliant to watch, isn't he, Thiago side? But... I t- I don't know about you, but actually, he's a bit too wholehearted going into challenges. He always looks like he's going to injure himself at the moment. It's like he's giving three hundred percent. Well, he, I mean, he, he was really motivated the other night. I was sat or stood in the cough. I'm okay to admit that, aren't? Yeah, yeah. I was stood in the cough, and as he came off the pitch, obviously he went round the back of the goal, and he was just really trying to corral the crowd. I got the impression he felt that the atmosphere wasn't. Wasn't as 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 good as it could have been. It perhaps that was a consequence of being told or being having certain things imposed on the crowd before the game in terms of what they couldn't and couldn't do. Just sort of contributed towards a slightly flatter atmosphere, I, I would say. But um, I just think he offers something that, that Liverpool don't have in that area of the pitch. Um, when he plays, the tempo is a lot better, and Liverpool tend to keep the ball a lot better. And that was just another. 
one of those performances. And as you say, he does, he does throw himself into challenges. I think his tackling's actually got a lot better compared to the first season. But I don't think that's because he's he's improved his tackling necessarily. I just think it's because when he has played for Liverpool, he's been fitter. I know obviously we just discussed about him, his availability, but again, the other night, I was quite surprised to see him last as long as he did in the game. Klopp kept him on for an awfully long time. I thought he might come off after an hour. But when you're fitter, you tend to be at the pitch of the ball a lot sooner. And, it, you know, he sort of... Liverpool fans have become quite used to seeing him sort of slide and scoop, you know, the ball yeah. away from opponents. He did that quite a lot, didn't he, the other night? And um, again, I, I, that that's a good thing because I think just tackling gets the crowd going sometimes as well, doesn't it? When people see a tackle and win the ball, it gets as much of a of a of a cheer as a as a good pass. So it's crucial that he stays available as much as he possibly can this season. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Liverpool are a better team when he's there. It's, it's as simple as that. Keeping him fit is a challenge, which is frustrating. But um, he's certainly, I, I think, now one of the more important players in the Liverpool team because he adds that sort of tempo that maybe they, they don't have in terms of when, say, the, the, like Ajax in the second half, I think they defended really well, actually, Ajax, in part, had to absorb a lot of pressure, but Liverpool were able to keep going because Thiago kept probing, he kept going, he kept going. And in the end, it, it you know it, it counted. Uh, I think psychologically, it's it's hard to keep going when the opponent is is just keep keeps coming at you, keeps testing you, keeps putting crosses into the box. And in the end, it, it I think Thiago's performance contributed towards the victory. A player who's who's maybe had a lot of a spotlight on him this season because his performances haven't always been great is is Trent Alexander Arnold. Again, there's this constant conversation about his defending and the, the Ajax goal arguably maybe came down to him switching off. I don't know what you, what you think of that, David. But there's this constant conversation going on about whether he should be moving position and whether a midfield role is going to come to him sooner rather than later. But what's your thoughts on Trent's positioning? What's going to help him best? What's going to help him and the team develop best? That's that's a great question because you sort of look at it and if it were just one or two little um, lapses of concentration or errors, you could say, oh, well, that's just you know human life can sort of happen. But you sort of look back and you even go back to the to his marking for the you know Real Madrid's winner in the Champions League final again. He just sort of switched up there, didn't track the man coming behind him to score. And you sort of look at this season, Community Shield against City, Man United, what maybe two against Napoli, you could say, and of course the other night. And it worries me because it's almost too much. It's not just one or two now, it's almost one a game. And you're just thinking, now if you're playing fullback, you cannot be doing that. Because if you're a fullback, your first job is to defend and stop goals coming from your, your part of the, the pitch. And that's not happening. Then, of course, there's the whole side about, well, where is the best place to play? Because we all know he's got... Like, I've, I've actually likened his right foot to David Beckham's. Because for me, when he steps inside and he plays those diagonal balls or those long upfield passes, you know, for me, it reminds me of Beckham in terms of his accuracy. You know, he just completely unlocks the defence. Then you think, well, is his best position maybe coming inside, stepping in the midfield, maybe playing on the right of midfield and then giving them the leeway to say, do you know what, concentrate on the good stuff you can do, your, your distribution. The set pieces doesn't matter where you played it for set pieces. You know, you can be right back, right midfield, whatever, that, that doesn't matter. But then you sort of think, look, you sort of push him forward in midfield, well, then you're, you're taking away the risk of him being the last man, him being the last line of defence, you know, on the right, you know, when you are attacking, that there's somebody else behind him if he does, you know, if he's not pressing well enough, if he has switched off, then, you know, behind can sort of tidy it up, really. And again, then you look at Liverpool's midfield, too, and we're, we're, we're making the point about, you know, they could do with sort of something else in there, because when Thiago doesn't play, where's the creativity? 
where's the guy who's going to play the little ball? You think, well, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold can do that. You know, he's wonderful passing the ball. So, I don't know. I think this this should be a debate, or certainly maybe an evolution. Really, is would his better position be stepping inside, maybe playing midfield, maybe playing on the right side of midfield? Does that maybe require changing clubs? You know, four three three, which is so tried and trusted. I don't know. Or do you just play him on the right of that midfield three? But I think there's something coming there because the way things are at the minute with the mistakes he's making, it's really not helping Liverpool. And Liverpool are at, at a moment where they're still vulnerable and they still can't afford to concede which what they're doing basically which is what at least a goal a game you think it wasn't so long ago we were all praised Liverpool for the defensive solidity the fact that when they went in front they stayed in front if they went 1-0 up they won 1-0 2-0 was always would be enough you know whereas now you're sort of thinking they need at least two to win a game they're conceding the first goal a lot and so really we've got to shore that defense up and perhaps maybe Moving Trent into midfield might be a way of maybe killing two birds with one stone, boost the creativity in midfield, especially if Thiago's not, the, and also maybe taking the pressure off him defensively. You know, it's interesting, something like Robbie Fowler, like, and Robbie just doesn't, like, I know Virgil was very sensitive about the criticism of former players, but Robbie just doesn't lob bricks for, for the sake of it. But after that the game, he was quite clear with him saying, well, look, I, I can maybe pick him apart because maybe defensively he doesn't show the same intention and desire and intensively does maybe sort of in an attacking sense. And if someone like him saying that, then you think, I think we need to sort of pay attention. It's a huge dilemma for the manager, isn't it? If you consider what he's contributed in his output, side from right back over the last few years. I mean, he's on 50 European appearances already. He's 23 years old. He's had a terrific career, but he's just hit that point where he's getting overly criticised for something. Does the manager react to that? Does he see it himself? And does that actually mean you're reinventing your side if you move Trent? To be honest, Steve, I think that process has been part of the issue at Liverpool this season. You know, if you look at Trent's movements and where he's been attacking from this season, quite often from a central area rather than a wide area. So he's been, in the first instance, asked to do something different to what he's been doing in previous seasons. At a time when I suppose the team isn't as fluid as it might normally be, a, because of injuries, possibly because of a bit of fatigue. And as you said, Steve, Trent Alexander-Arnold has played, I think I'm right in saying he's the third or fourth highest, in terms of the minutes he's played over the last four or five years, the third or fourth on the list for Liverpool. So there's all these things that are rolled into one. I, I, I do question whether the wisdom of, of sort of trying to change Liverpool's attacking approach, which has happened, you can see it on the pitch, you can see it from the kickoff. Trent sits inside now and tries to push on from the middle. You can see it happening. It is happening. It means that Salah's much wider. And obviously Salah's getting a lot of focus about what he's doing. Whereas I would argue strongly that he's still contributing to the game. He's still creating chances, but he's too wide to be able to have as many shots on goal, which is a major risk. I mean, it's a big call up by the manager to decide, well, we've got Salah who's you know the club's leading goal scorer over the last four or five years. But we're going to try and mix it up and make Liverpool less predictable to play against. I think it's fair to say that that's what they're trying to do. I, I just wonder, I've said this before, I think last week, that I just wonder whether they've overthought that process a little bit and tried to do it maybe too soon into a season, when, particularly when they've got lots of problems around injuries, so the rhythm of the team isn't quite as, as good as it might be. I mean, I've always thought that this Liverpool team you know, is greater than the sum of its parts, really. You know, I think the players that they've got might struggle if they go into another team or not be as 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 effective in another team, in another system. It's a very well-drilled team, which is going through changes 
a lot of the players are aging at the same time. So within that framework, even world-class players, I'd still, I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as everybody said, brilliant football, love watching him play. As, as Dave said there, his passing is incredible. But I think he's suffering a little bit because of all those reasons at the moment. I don't personally think there's a desperate need to say, well, we've got to got to put him in mid- midfield now. I mean, he's appearing a lot on that part of the pitch already. I think that's contributing towards the problem going backwards as well. So something definitely to think about. I mean, when he was a kid, a lot of the coaches at Liverpool thought he would be a midfielder. Jurgen Klopp wanted to change the way, you know, the attacking threat of this team. The the creative threat was actually going to come from the fullbacks rather than the midfield. So Trent, to some degree, was, was repositioned a little bit. He had played right back a fair bit, but it was always viewed that he'd be a midfielder. So I can understand that debate. I can understand it. I think it's a fair debate and, and one that he should probably consider. But that would have massive implications for this Liverpool team in terms of you know the, the functionality of it tactically. I mean, I haven't seen Calvin Ramsey yet, so he's, no. he's been another player who's <laughs> been injured. So we don't know whether he's you know we don't know whether he's he's up to the mark. Ultimately, you know, if you decide well, you're going to push Trent further up. Does that mean that there's not going to be the attacking threat from right back? Do you just want somebody who's going to be defensive and, and make sure that the opponent has less chances? There's a lot to think about. I don't think it's just as as maybe simple as saying, well, he's not doing well. Maybe his time's spent in that position. It'd be interesting to see how he solves that. I suspect that knowing Jurgen Klopp, he, he seems to be wanting to go back to basics, go back to what they know uh, best and try, and try and get back to that point and get the players to trust themselves again. Because it feels at the moment like they're not at ease with maybe what they're being asked to do to some degree. The evolution of the fullbacks is interesting, isn't it? I mean, even on the other side, you know, Andy Robertson injured, but Kostas Simikas comes in and, you know, really stakes a claim, doesn't he, for future games. Creates, what, five chances, assists the winning goal as well. Is there a conversation, there must be a thought in Jürgen's mind as well, about actually, you know, the competition between these two going forward? Oh, listen, you're going to be absolutely loving the form of Simicast because basically that's doing his job for him because Andy Robertson, he's injured at the minute and he'll have looked at Simicast's performance and thought, hey, I've really got to pull the finger out, you know, when I'm back. I cannot just think that when I'm fit, I'll walk back into that team. And you're going to love that because there's competition between two players at left back, which who will spur each other on Simicast by the same token those when he arrived, he's right, I'm up against Andy Robertson here and he was thinking, well, I just don't want to be a Caribou Cup player. I want to play more regularly than that and he's risen to the challenge and I say Robertson must rise to that challenge as well because those two you know you're right on sort of current form there's not much to pick between them I'm not quite sure because we're talking there about about the fullbacks and I was just sort of thinking that function of Liverpool used to be one of their characteristics the two fullbacks you know that almost the two highest attacking players getting down the flanks putting balls into the, to the middle so we, we don't really see that as much anymore you know it's it's almost something that's gone a little bit from the game to really so Simica's performance still the night and the delivery as you say for the corners and of course for Matip's had a goal it was it was very very good and very welcome so that's one plus from the opponents saying those two will spur each other on and I think from Jurgen's point of view he can just say look let's sort it amongst yourself I'll just pick whoever's the best you know come uh, come a Saturday uh, afternoon or Sunday really you know whoever's done the best that we can train so from his point of view it's a no it's a no lose for him really because these two will just drive each other on. I'm Adam Hurry, host of the Athletics Football Clichés podcast. Look, there are loads of podcasts out there talking about the actual football, but this is the only one that celebrates the language of the game and takes the deepest possible dive into all the tiny things in and around football that we have somehow taken for granted. Check out our back catalogue now, where you'll find interviews with Jamie Carragher, Kelly Cates, Neda Manua, Peter Drury and many, many more. 
Search for Football Clichés on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places and listen ad-free on The Athletic. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, let's give a shout out to um, to the man who everyone loves, which is Joel Matip, and his, and his last minute winner site. Let's face it, he, he's sort of like this... Um, I don't know. He's he's almost the celebrity of the side, isn't he? The unsung celebrity. Uh, his celebration was brilliant. I was lucky enough. He came in my lounge and we gave him a little presentation after the match. And he's just the nicest, most laid back guy ever. Um, but he said some stuff on stage about just the quality with which he plays with in terms of the other players and how sort of motivated he is. And I just sort of thought you'd have never thought about Joel Matip having these headlines a few years ago. Yeah, well, he he. It's fair to say, I think for the first. 18 months, he, he struggled a little bit at Liverpool, really. Quite evident that he was a good defender. But again, it came down to availability. And it's, it's still been a, a problem, to be, to be honest. You know, going over the years, I think he's missed more minutes or days of football for Liverpool than any other player. For me, you know, I, I think he's, he's Virgil van Dijk's most effective partner in defence. Uh, it was a massive call by Klopp to put Canate in for the final in Paris, I thought. Because Masip is... You know, he's proven in that position, proven in big games. But over the last sort of, I'd say, certainly last season, the way the way he started the season, I, I thought he was, he was Liverpool's best defender. So it was quite a surprise, as I say, to see him on the bench for the final. But it, there is something cultish about him, I think, isn't it? Because he's quite an unusual, something unusual about him in terms of the way, the way he runs, the way he sort of guards the ball. You know, there's, there's sort of elegance about, both elegance and... Non-elegance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it. There is an element, you know. He's like sort of a a deer in the fields protecting an ice cube. I think somebody once described him in that way. <laughs> that that's that might sound harsh, but it, it, there is something very unusual about him, and I think that's why people, particularly when he does, you know, good things, gravitate towards him. He's he's quite softly spoken guy, isn't he as well? And uh, a lot of the players in the dressing room, and I, I know I know they really like him as well because he's he's sort of again a little bit different to everybody else. I just think, you know, on a really basic level, you know, what he brings to the team. First of all, you know, aerial ability, excellence in the air. I mean, you, you never see him lose anything in the air. Very rarely do anyway. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what I'd like to see about him is, is sort of the evolution of his game again. Like sort of the confidence, you know, you, he adds a lot, you know, when he bursts into midfield, that, that confidence that he, he sometimes shows and creates a bit of chaos. Yeah, he's been a great signing for Liverpool, really, because he was a, he was a free transfer He's been there throughout, you know, the whole of this period. 
he doesn't really have many bad games, I'd say, really. It's just his availability. That's just been a, a sticking point for, for quite a few players, really, over, over a long period of time. Uh, I think if he'd have been available, he'd probably be going down as, you know, one of the sort of Laurent, Mark Lawrence-esque figures in the Liverpool history, you know, the the great partner to one of the, you know, the big world centre-backs. But because he hasn't always been there, maybe that conversation doesn't doesn't begin. And you can see Virgil likes playing with him. And David, he has that ability to almost in three strides get from the penalty area to the halfway line. And you're sort of thinking, how's, how's he done that? That was what Hansen used to do a bit of that. Uh, Steve, you talked there about Alan Hansen. Yeah, what, what a player he was, really. He had that wonderful ability to carry the ball out from the back. It almost seemed as if he just sort of glided past opponents as if he was sort of operating in slow motion, yet they still couldn't uh, couldn't get on him, really. And you say Matip as well. You look at him, and he's very comfortable in possession. That's one of the strengths he has. You know, club wouldn't sign anyone. He's not comfortable with the ball at the feet, and he can bring it out. He's great in the air. You know, he's great at the aerial duels. We saw again on Tuesday the way he handled that corner, and he's very strong at the... Uh, set pieces with headers as well, really. And, and he has, you know, one of those classic unsung heroes for Liverpool, really. You sort of go through that team and you think of all the big stars, like sort of Salah, Alisson, Van Dijk, you know, Manny in his day, you know, Firmino, now, uh, you know, Diaz. And you go a little while before you would sort of pick out Matip, really. But, you know, you go around that and sort of say to the players, well, look, who's one of the most important players here? And they would sort of say, look, this Joe Matip's been a big difference for us. And, uh, you know, he's sort of quite quiet, doesn't shout a lot, but really a talent speaks for himself, really. And, um, you know, there's that whole debate really about this, the centre-halves at Liverpool because obviously you've got Virgil. It's like, who's going to partner, you know, Virgil for Liverpool? And we know the club is a big, big fan of Matip. Usually when he's fit, uh, he plays. That's a show of faith uh, from Jurgen. And it's been hard. Last season, Canadi came in, did really well. He got the nod to start in the Champions League final against Paris. I thought that was fair enough. I thought it was a good reward for a season. But you've also then got the claims of Gomez. Gomez wants to do stuff there. He's recently signed that new contract. He thinks he can be Liverpool's centre-half partner in Virgil as well, really. But, you know, Matip has uh, responded to all these challenges, really, and just goes his business as quietly and as effectively as ever, really. And I think, um, you know, Tuesday night was a great example of that, really. You know, did all his business at the back end of the pitch, and then really, when Liverpool really needed that goal, was a one minute left with normal time. There he is, got in the end of that header and, uh, you know, putting it in the back of the net, really. So, uh, you know, a, a just reward for someone who's been such a great server for Liverpool during his time at the club. Just want to give a final thought on the pod to Diogo Jota. First start since May. I thought he was really influential. And he, he is one of those players that I feel like we've missed him. Yeah, well, what, what he, he provides is a goal threat. <laughs> and Liverpool haven't, I mean, I know they scored nine goals against Bournemouth. But I just think if he's on the pitch, it increases the possibility that Liverpool are going are gonna to score, whether it's himself or... Just by being central, it, it brings other other players into the into the game. So I thought he really seems to have the bit between his teeth. It was like he wanted to prove something a little bit the other night. He was intense. He was at it. He was working hard. He wasn't waiting for things to happen. Which I think, if you're being critical of him, sometimes it, it, it feels like the game passes him by a little bit, and then suddenly he'll score a goal which justifies his inclusion. But I felt the other night he was more involved in the game, which is obviously evident by his role in, in the first goal. So Liverpool are going to need him this season. He scored a fair number of goals for Liverpool over his first two seasons, important goals against some really big opponents. So Liverpool are going to you know, be anywhere near where they need to be. They, they need him available and performing. And you know, it's quite clear Jürgen Klopp rates him very highly. I mean, it, it comes down to, Dave mentions... Joe Gomez there, who's the first choice? I mean, I, I do think Klopp 
sometimes picks on on form as well. You know, if a player's playing really well, that player will, will play in the next game. I think Joe Gomez is his fitness needs to be managed a bit more because of the you know again the injury records. Whereas if if, if Jota gets into a into a bit of form. You know, he, he started against Manchester City away last season. You know, arguably the biggest game of the season, scored a goal. Clearly rates him very highly. At that time, he's playing very well. So, unfortunately, he tailed off towards the end of the season, which meant, you know, he wasn't as um, as involved in the final as he as he might have liked to have been. So, a lot for him to sort of go at, I think. I'm sort of excited about what he might do over the next couple of years because he's, he's really coming into prime age now and um, proven already he can score a lot of goals just about getting getting him into the team. Terrific return to the team against Ajax. There's a piece from James on that the Athletic now rejuvenated Jota sets the tone for a much improved Liverpool display. Check it out. We, we've not even got into the Darwin Nunes situation. We'll leave that for the next pod because that's arguably a, a bigger conversation as well. My thanks to David Anderson from The Mirror. Uh, Cy Hughes as well. Check his pieces out on the Athletic right now. And thank you for listening to The Red Agenda. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.